Welcome to the Family Worship Center podcast. Each week we bring you our message from our Sunday morning services at Family Worship Center in Beaumont. See, what we do is we get immune to it. We are so blessed that we start forgetting how blessed we are. See, the Lord blesses us and blesses us and blesses us. And we forget how blessed we are. We hope you find this message encouraging. This week, we're going to be celebrating our freedom, and uh, in this nation, we have, we have a lot of freedoms, and thank you, Lisa. Thank you for acknowledging that. We have a lot of freedoms in this nation. We have freedom to be able to get up here and worship like Zach just did, and you know, there's a lot of places that don't have that freedom, a lot of places that would actually be a threat to your life, and sometimes we overlook those things. Sometimes we... Um, we get kind of full of ourselves. And so um, the thing that, that I want us to be aware of, and I always take uh, the 4th of July as an opportunity to talk about that, talk about our freedoms that we experience, but as well as what the Lord wants us to do with our freedom. And so um, this morning's message is, we have freedom, now what? You like that background? Only problem is I can't see it, <laughs> so I don't know where we're at. <laughs> so we may have to work on that. We're trying out some new things with the, with the uh, program back there, and this is actually a PowerPoint that's imported into there. So uh, if we have any glitches, just work with us on that. We have freedom. Now what? See, in this nation, uh, as we celebrate the birth of this nation, we also have to look that I feel like God put this nation into place. Um, manifest destiny, if you will, that we were meant to be for such time as this. See, God knew exactly when each one of us would live. He knew the times in which we would live. He knew the situations in which we would live. And I think that he has put us in place for such a time as this. And the thing that we need to do is remind ourselves, as well as those around us, of God's manifest destiny for us as individuals, for us as a church, for us as a nation, and to realize that he has given us freedom, not just for us. It's, it's kind of a, a sideline blessing, okay? He has given us freedom so that we can be free to serve him, be free to operate in the kingdom, to be able to share the gospel, and we get blessed in the process. It's just like I've said many, many times. If we will do our part, if we'll do what we're supposed to do, then God's going to bless us. It's not for our sake. We are blessed to be a blessing. In other words, we are a, a conduit, a channel through which God's blessings flow. We get blessed in the process. But if we get sticky fingers, if we start bottlenecking the blessing flow of God then guess what? He's going to go through another channel. He's going to go through another conduit. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss out on what God's doing. I don't want to miss out on, on everything that he's got in store for us. One of the prime examples is, and I've used this many, many times, but it always reminds me of how if we'll just do our part, we're going to get blessed. You look at whenever Jesus is getting ready for his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Uh, he tells his disciples, I want you to go over in this other field, and you're going to find a, uh, tied a, a donkey that has never been ridden before. It's just a, a little donkey, and you're going to find him there and bring him to me, and I'm going to ride him into Jerusalem. 
Okay? Now, some of the people were expecting that he was going to, that the, the Messiah would come on a white steed, conquering hero, conquering warrior. But he rides in lowly on a donkey, such as a priest would have. And I've said many, many times, you, you look at the fact that that little donkey had never carried anybody before. So don't you know that whenever Jesus sat on top of him, he felt like he had the weight of the world on his shoulders? I mean, he, nobody had ever even sat on him. And here he is, this, this mean guy jumps up on my back, and, and the disciples threw their coats up on him for a saddle. And so, I mean, he has just got to be feeling the lowest of low. And I, I just don't understand what have I done to deserve this. I don't understand why this big heavy guy is on me. And, you know, get up, come on. So he starts into Jerusalem. you got to figure that first few steps is just like, I, I don't know how, how I'm going to operate under this. And he keeps going and going and going. And pretty soon you got people that are throwing their clothes in the path and throwing down palm fronds. And, 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 and all of a sudden they're here, he's hearing the, the crowds cheer and, Hosanna, Hosanna. And that little donkey starts thinking, this is not as bad as I thought it would be. And I, I believe he actually gets a little, a little kick in his step there. And, whoo, boy, this is nice. Look at all these people cheering for me to come into town. And, and, and see, here's the thing. If we'll let the Lord use our donkey, whatever that is, it, it might be just stopping and telling somebody about the goodness of the Lord. It might be praying with somebody. It might be all kinds of different stuff. But if we'll just let the Lord use our donkey, guess what? We get blessed in the process. I've always called it reflected glory. Because the glory all belonged to the Lord. But you know what? That little donkey... I, I double dog dare you. That's as serious as it gets with me. I double dog dare you to show me any other little donkey in history that anybody knows about. But we know about that one. Why? Because the Lord used him. Amen. If we ever get our names mentioned, if we ever have any kind of glory associated with us, it's because we let the Lord use our donkey. Amen. And we, as a nation, if you look at the history of this nation and, and how it was founded and how our founding fathers felt about the Lord and felt about the gospel and felt about their purpose in being here and what they were doing, they felt like they had a high calling. And it was about freedom... But ultimately, it was about the freedom to worship. That was what drove the whole thing. There were other things involved, no taxation without representation, uh, freedom to have arms and all that kind of stuff. But ultimately, it started with, we want to be free to be able to worship. So in Galatians chapter 5, this is what Paul writes here. Galatians chapter uh, 5 verse 1 says, So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free. What's he saying? How could we not stay free? It's because we have freedom and we don't need to get tangled up in all this junk and, and put ourselves in slavery to the law. Then in, in verse 13, same chapter, there it is. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. 
Well, I thought I was free. I thought I could, since I was free, I could do anything I wanted to. Well, you can, but it doesn't serve always a useful purpose. So what we've got to be doing is understanding our freedom. Freedom's never free. Amen. It comes with responsibilities. And what we've got to do is see that we have a responsibility, that God has put us here for such a time as this. And the thing that troubles me, and I mentioned a little bit last week, kind of bled over into this message. The thing that I see happening in our nation today is I feel like we're headed in a whole bunch of wrong directions. I think people are using their freedom not to serve one another, but to benefit themselves and to benefit their cause and their idea and their purpose when God's the one that gives us purpose, God's the one that gives us vision, God's the one that gives us a direction to head into. And every time we as a people whether it's a, as an individual, whether it's as a church, or whether it's as a nation, every time we make a decision, here's the thing, we're heading in a direction. It's the principle of the path. And our direction ultimately determines our destination. And, you know, we can, we can head this way, and we can correct it, and, you know, sometimes as a nation or as a people group or even as an individual, sometimes we'll make a decision that heads us over here a little bit. Oh, wait, 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 headed in the wrong direction. I need to correct. We get back on path. But the thing that I see in our nation that's happening is that, and it's just happened in the last few years, I, I see a selfishness that's arising. Instead of using our freedom to serve one another, we're using it to serve ourselves, serve our purpose, our cause. And all the way through the Bible, we could look at multitudes, multitudes of examples. But there's a couple of examples that I want us to look at this morning. One of them's in Isaiah chapter 9, and I'm not going to read it all to you because it's a lengthy portion of Scripture. But ultimately, this is the story, and you can read it for yourself whenever you get home. Whenever you get home. <laughs> <laughs> see some people turning. Isaiah chapter 9, God's pronouncing judgment on a couple of different places, but one of them is Israel. And he's kind of fed up with how they're acting. They're acting of their own accord. They're doing their own thing. They're not, not listening to him. And he says, I'm going to tear down everything. And if you don't turn and repent... This judgment's coming. God is always abounding in love, slow to anger. His mercies are new every day. Guess what? You can go a long way in the wrong direction, and if you realize it and say, God, oops, I blew it. Guess what? He's abounding in love, slow to anger. His mercies are new every day. You look at even some of the most evil kings of Israel when they repented and put on sackcloth, which, which symbolized their, their sorrow, their repentance. Guess what? God turned away the whole judgment. Ahab was one of them. I mean, that guy was the, the, the biggest rascal in the whole thing in the Old Testament. And because he repented, put on sackcloth and put ashes on his head, symbolizing his repentance, he said, I, I, okay, I'm gonna, judgment's going to be set off a little bit. You won't see it, but your kids will. And so ultimately it comes down to this. God is always listening, always ready for us to turn around. Even in the book of Revelation, whenever this whole thing winds down, there's a portion of Scripture in there that says that he brought all these calamities on the people and they knew where it was coming from and it yet still says they would not repent of their evil doing. And Isaiah chapter 9 is kind of like that. 
And basically, they, uh, God says, I'm going to bring judgment. I'm going to tear everything down. I'm going to tear down your brick buildings. I'm going I'm I'm to level all the trees. And their answer to God was this. That's all right. We'll rebuild with finished stone instead of those sun-dried bricks. And where you, t- you knock down the sycamores, we're going to plant cedars. I mean, it was just like... And the nth degree, just thumbing their nose at God. And he goes on to say, you've been misled. You're headed in the wrong direction. Turn around. He keeps on begging them to come back to, to their senses and get right with him. Gave them lots of opportunities, but they kept heading in the wrong direction. Another example is in Revelation chapter 3. And you've got one of the most um, prolific uh, cities in, in the New Testament that kind of thumbed their nose at God. And ultimately, it brought judgment upon them, but he gave them opportunity after opportunity after opportunity, and that was the city of Laodicea. Now, this, just in your mind, just to paint you a little picture, it's in modern-day Turkey, which was in the biblical times referred to as Asia Minor. The Bosphorus Straits, separates Europe and Asia, and it's part of Turkey, part of modern-day Turkey is in Europe, Istanbul, which was also Constantinople, was in Europe, but the rest of Turkey pretty much in, in Asia, okay? Different continent, even though it's one country. And about midway through Turkey, is the, it's called the Lycus River, runs through there. It's one of the big, abundant, life-giving rivers that's there. And in the Lycus River Valley... Uh, it's an arid region, not, much, not many big trees, so you can see for a long distance. And so if you're standing in the Lycus River Valley, you're going to see kind of to the west and the south is the city of Laodicea, where it stood. North of that is Hierapolis, talked about in the book of Acts. And now the modern city that's there is called Pamukkale. I'll tell you why in just a minute. Pamukkale means cotton castle. To the east and kind of to the south is the city of Coloss. So in this Lycus River Valley, you have three cities that we know an exceeding abundance of information about because they're all mentioned in the Bible. There's a long history there. And what it was was uh, Hierapolis was the older city, and it was definitely a city that their heart was toward the Lord. Coloss was a decoy city, okay? Laodicea was rich. They had lots and lots of stuff, and they were up on the high ground. So in order to prevent them from being attacked, they actually sent people to form the city of Coloss so that they would be a decoy. In other words, if somebody comes into the Lycus River Valley, they're going to attack, they're going to hit Coloss first. And so the people in Laodicea could look across the valley and see the smoke rising up in the east, and they would know beyond a shadow of a doubt somebody was coming in to take over, and they'd see the fires burning and the smoke in there and be able to do something about it before they got to their city. Now, we know that Coloss ended up being a city that was their heart was toward the Lord as well. But Laodicea was rich. They, had, uh, they fell into the category of filthy, stinking rich. Okay? Uh, if you've ever seen anybody who was like that, just picture Laodicea. 
They, were, they had the fancy clothes. They, they were the Paris or the Milan of their day. fact is, that's where all the emperors, their wives, would send and get their clothes made in Laodicea. They had, uh, they had mined a mineral and put it into a salve that would help people's eyes and restore, sometimes even from almost utter blindness, to being able to see. They were so filthy, stinking rich that one time there was this huge earthquake that hit the Lycus River Valley, and it tore down everything. Well, the Roman government, of course, this is during the Roman Empire, and the Roman government sent them money to help them rebuild, just like we do in this day and time. Some areas hit by a hurricane or an or earthquake or a tornado or something, we send funds and, and help them. Laodicea was so rich, they sent the money back and said, we don't need your help. You just keep your piddling amount, we'll fix our city. Kind of like in Isaiah chapter 9, whenever the Lord says, I'm gonna, everything's going to be leveled, that's okay. We'll rebuild, and we'll rebuild with better stuff. We'll rebuild with finished stone, and we'll rebuild with, with, uh, with cedars instead of sycamore trees. And so Laodicea was very much on that same manner. They were so rich. And so the, the same earthquake that leveled their city also leveled Hierapolis and also leveled Colossus. And Hierapolis, it leveled it and opened up the ground. And there were these huge fissures that hot water began to pour out of. And fact is, there's still to this day hot springs that come out of the ground there. And there were minerals in that water. And whenever it would cool off and solidify, it began to coat everything with this white, rocky substance. It's calcified. It's basically a lot of calcium in there. And so that's the reason that city now today is called Pamukkale, Cotton Castle. Because you can stand 25 miles away and look to the north from, from where Laodicea was, and you can see it looks like a cotton castle. It looks like a mountain in my opinion, and of course these people don't know about snow because they don't have any there. It's a very desert-type region. To me, it looked like a snow-capped mountain. So if you, if you picture in your mind a snow-capped mountain, that's what Hierapolis, Pamukkale looks like today. Well, that same earthquake that opened up those hot springs there also in Colossus opened up cold springs. And so during the summertime, that was kind of a, a resort town became that in the in the eventuality because people would go there and they'd sit in those cool springs and cool off during the summertime because they didn't have air conditioning okay so here's laodicea they have rebuilt and they look to the north and they see those hot springs coming out of the ground in hierapolis and they see the cold springs that i mean this is within view and distance okay you can see a long way because Laodicea is on the high ground. You can probably see 30 miles, and both of these cities are in view. And so they said, we are so rich, we're going to be the first city in the, in the Roman Empire that's going to have hot and cold running water. So they built aqueducts, aquifers, and, and they brought water from both of those cities all the way across the Lycus River Valley, Took them years to build them. Technology that sometimes we have a hard time understanding how they use siphons and everything to move that water, not only downhill, but also uphill. 
The only problem was, once they got it there, and once they had spent this abundant amount of money to get the water there, the cold water was kind of warm, and the hot water was cooling off. Fact is, in so much as though it had all the minerals in it, and it would calcify as it cooled off, they said that literally, if you went to drink it, it you'd take a big swig of it and just... Are you kidding? That just tastes horrible. And that's why Jesus said to Laodicea in in Revelations chapter 3. He said, you say you're rich, but you are very, very poor. And you're blind, kind of chipping at them about the salve that they had that healed the eyes. And you are naked. They were the clothes capital, the Paris, the Milan, had all the fancy clothes going on. And he said, you think you're all that. You think you've got everything going on, but you're blind, and you're poor, and you're naked. And he said, because you're not hot, in other words, because you're not like Hierapolis, and your heart's not after me, and because you're not cold... You're not like Coloss, but you're lukewarm. And he was speaking directly to them. He said, I know your works, and they're lacking. And he said, because you're not hot and because you're not cold, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. See, it was a direct message to that city at that time because of their attitudes. And so ultimately it comes down to this. If we don't change, if we don't get back to the point where we're putting the kingdom first, if we don't get back as a nation to the point that we are saying, God, we realize we're rich. Do you realize we're rich? I've I've told this story before. There was a missionary that came to stay with a family. And the second day that this woman was there, was a woman missionary. And she was staying with this family in the church. She was going to go out around and itinerate. And she had stayed with them overnight, got there late in the evening, and went to bed because she was tired, jet-lagged and everything. She gets up the next day and goes to the kitchen sink. She's washing her hands and fixing the cup of coffee there. And and, uh, she looks out the back window and she said well who lives out there the woman that lives there what do you mean there's nobody behind us and she kind of goes over there where she can see out the window with her and she said i want to know who lives there and the woman whose house it was laughed and said that's our garage she said but who lives there she said that's where we park our car and she said your car has a house See, what we do is we get immune to it. We are so blessed that we start forgetting how blessed we are. It's like I've talked about it before. If, if, if you come into church one Sunday morning and I give every one of you a $20 bill. Wow, that's awesome. Thank you, Brother Philip. I appreciate that. Second, second, time I, uh, second Sunday, I give you a $50 bill. Wow, thank you. That's awesome. Third Sunday, I give you a $100 bill. See? Hallelujah. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's, that's a blessing. You don't know what a blessing that is. 
The fourth Sunday, what's going to happen? Are we going bigger than 100 this week? See, the Lord blesses us and blesses us and blesses us. I've said you know you're blessed when, number one, your car has a house. Number two, when your car lives in the driveway because you filled its house up with all your stuff. Amen? And how many times do we do that? Our, our cars live in the driveway because we filled it ha- its house up with all of our stuff and things. And we forget how blessed we are. And we get just like Israel in Isaiah chapter 9, and we get just like Laodicea. Something happens, and I'm not disrespecting this at all. But you remember when the hurricane happened last year? We'll rebuild. Texas strong. Mm, it just made me cringe a little bit. I'm, I'm a patriotic person, and I love this country, and I love this state. I wasn't born here, but I got here as quick as I could. But the thing is, we got to realize where our blessings come from. And just like James says, we need not say, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do that next week, or I'm going to do this next year. Unless we preface it with, Lord willing, this is what I'm going to do. Because see, we're, we're one moment away from being out of here. Miss, Miss Brenda, last Thursday, that, that was proof of that. She was so close to being gone from here. And the Lord had the right people at the right time, at the right place. Amen. All things work together for good to them that love him and are called according to his purpose. Amen. And the thing that we've got to do is realize whenever we have accomplished things, he, he, the Lord gives warning after warning after warning. When Israel's coming into the promised land, he said, when you have entered into this land of milk and honey, of blessings that overflow, don't forget about me. Because as long as you remember me and as long as you worship me and as long as you honor me and as long as you realize where your blessings come from, I'm going to keep on blessing. But the moment that you forget it, and the moment that you start thinking, I did all this, he said, I'm going to let foreign people come in and carry you away. And what do we see in the Old Testament over and over and over and over and over and over? They kept forgetting about him. He kept letting them get carried away. They'd, somebody would rise up and rescue them. They'd be the deliverer. The Lord's hand would be upon them, and they'd bring them out of that bondage and back into the land that God promised them. And see, here's the thing. We are that people. God has blessed us. God has put us here for a reason. God has truly, truly, truly put us in the land of milk and honey, of blessings that overflow, of, of sometimes unbelievable riches and wealth that come to us why not because of us not because we're all that but because if we'll use it and like i started out talking about it if we'll be not a bottleneck but a conduit a a channel a river through which blessings flow guess what we're going to get blessed in the process it's whenever we bottleneck it whenever we start thinking man this is all about me i'm just man look at me i am all that and a bag of chips You're either serving or you're swerving. All over the road. 
Making a decision, we go here. Making a decision, we go there. Or we're serving. And realizing that we owe everything to him. So ultimately, it comes down to this. We need to realize that we, as God's people, we don't need to fall into those traps. We, we need to look at and see everything that's coming down. I'll share this quote with you. I'll let you guess uh, who said it. But this is the quote. It says, we've grown in numbers and in wealth and in power as no other nation has grown. We vainly imagine in the deceitfulness of our own hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom or virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient, too proud to pray to the God that made us. Anybody venture a guess who said that and when? Almost 160 years ago, it was written down by Abraham Lincoln. And trade, you know it. <laughs> Started to guess Abraham Lincoln <laughs> this morning. I just, I'm not trying to be a doggy downer. But this much I know if we'll lift God up, we'll get blessed. If we'll lift Him up, His purpose, His cause, His vision, not our vision, and we'll begin to turn this nation back to the way that God intended for it to be. And there's a bunch of things that we have to address. And folks, this is not a political rant. This is not about left or right. It's not about Democrat, Republican. It's not about liberal, conservative. It's about being woke to everything that God's doing. And being aware that our blessings don't come from us. Our blessings don't come from our jobs. Our blessings don't, don't, aren't reliant on us. They're reliant on Him. And if we'll lift Him up, guess what? Good things are going to happen. If we'll begin to, 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 to do things that, that lift him up and begin to let people see, number one, we need to share our vision. We need to tell people about this. And yes, we live in the buckle of the Bible belt, so it's not so much here. But this nation needs to realize that God put us here for a reason. We need to vote in that direction. Our founding fathers said that it was not only our, our, our blessing to be able to vote, but our responsibility to vote for people that were Christians. Amen? That had a Christian worldview. Uh, there, I was, I've been over the last week or so, I was reading some articles from what some people, some of you like, oh, I can't believe you read that. It was a magazine that some of you would say, that's crazy, I wouldn't even touch that thing. But it was talking about how... This is, this is their article title, How We Need to Love Those That We Don't Agree With. And it was talking about fundamental Christians and their belief system and everything. And it was like, I'm reading this, and it's like, I cannot, I cannot believe that somebody talking, one of, one of the things was talking about and, and believing in spanking your kids and how that was so antiquated and so archaic and so barbaric and all this kind of stuff. And, and I, I don't know about you. Hey, I got plenty of whippings as a kid, and I needed every one of them. Hey, I have gone back and told my parents multiple times, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for making me obey. At the time, I wasn't real keen on it, but right now, I just want to thank you for making me obey. Amen? It, you know, uh, uh, we won't get into all that, but it's just, it, the whole article was absolutely eye-opening. But we need to realize that where there's no vision, it brings confusion. If we don't know where we're headed, there's no way to get there. And if we as a nation can't reach a consensus on where we're headed, 
I've, I've said it before, I'll say it again, I think I even said it last week. I think we are on the brink of civil war. First time in my lifetime that I've ever been able to say that. There's such a divide between what people think that somewhere down the line, if we can't get our vision straight, then guess what? It's going gonna, it's gonna to end up in a, in a division at the very least, if not civil war. Now, point number two, you've got to heed the warnings. When God speaks to us, whether it's through his word, whether it's in our prayer time, that there's something that, if there is a tension that needs your attention, you've got to stop and, and deal with it. If there's some, some area in our lives that God is saying, you need to get this straight, you need to do it this way, then guess what? We need to listen to that. And, uh, you know, the thing is, he never changes. The Bible tells us that. God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then we've got to make our response known. And our response is critical. Our response is critical. How do we do that? Number one, we've got to be thankful. We have to be a thankful people and let that be shown. If we show forth our praises to the Lord, guess what? That can influence somebody as much as anything. If we realize where our blessings come from and we are thankful to God for them, guess what? That can change our world. Uh, number two, we've got to celebrate our freedom and, and use it to worship the Lord, to pray, to seek Him in everything that we do and put Him first in everything that we do, we've got to realize that, that God has released us from the bondage of sin. And that, again, is not for us to become enslaved to anything else, but so that we can use it to serve one another in love. And number three, we've got to show freedom in every, and the love of God. He's slow to anger, abounding in love. His mercy is new every day, and we need to show that in everything that we do. Amen? We need to, you know, sometimes we, we get to the point where we want to meet anger with anger, and, and that's not how God intended it. We need to show love in everything we do, the freedom that we have, and basically what we need to do is reveal God's freedom in us to, to people in this world that need it. Amen? And so we're going to exhibit our freedom right now, and we're going to pray. This is 4th of July, Wednesday. And so we need to celebrate our freedom by praying. Amen? We need to pray for our nation. This nation needs direction. This nation needs to put the Lord first again. Amen? So we're going to pray. And you can pray what you want to pray, but you, you, I'm going to lead us and you can agree with us. Father, first of all, we want to, as individuals... Lord, we, we realize we are so dependent on you. And Lord, you have been good to us beyond measure. Lord, we could stand here from now until the sun sets this evening, and we can never count all your blessings. You have been good to us as individuals. You've been good to us as a church, and you have been good to us as a nation. And Lord, we want to let our light shine. Again, we don't want to be selfish. We don't want to realize uh, or think that we have accomplished something great in ourselves, but Lord, that you have done it all. So Lord, we, we just want to make that clear from the beginning. But Lord, we pray for this nation. I do believe that you put this nation here for such a time as this, to be a light to the world, a light shining out into the darkness. And Lord, I pray that you would watch over this nation and that you would truly guide her and lead her and Lord, that you would just, uh, our president, we pray for him. 
Lord, we might not have voted that direction. We might have voted that direction. It doesn't matter. He still needs your help. And Lord, we lift him up. We lift Congress. Lord, we need, to, we need people that know about you. We need people that will make godly decisions, wise decisions. Not ones based on self or just how to please the constituency, but God, that you have put them there to make decisions for this nation as a whole. And we pray that you'd help them to make good decisions. Give them wisdom that goes beyond anything that they know. Lord, we pray for our judicial system. We're going to be having a new justice. And Lord, I pray that it'd be one that would uphold your standard. Lord, one that would know you. uh, and, And Lord, that would make decisions accordingly. Lord, I pray for our governor of this great state. Lord, for the governor of every state. Lord, that they would lead with wisdom, that they would lead with mercy. And, Lord, that you would let their love, your love flow through them and in them. And, Lord, that you would touch their hearts to turn this nation around. Lord, we pray for our local officials, uh, uh, the mayors, and, 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 Lord, city councils. Lord, it, it, it's going to take everybody together. Lord, I pray for our schools. Lord, it seems like uh, from the very moment that they took you out of the schools, Lord, that things have been headed downhill. We bind all these school shootings, all these things that have happened with our kids, all these things that, that, that bring fear into the situation. Lord, we pray for safety. We pray for peace. We pray for, for wisdom and what our kids are taught. Lord, they need to know about this nation. They need to know about why we're here. And, and Lord, that's not always getting through there. And so, God, we pray that you would touch our schools, touch our kids, and, and Lord, let them be taught well in a safe environment. Lord, we pray for our churches. I pray for this church in particular, Lord, that you would help us. Lord, we want to be a light in this community. We want to be doing things for the kingdom, so show us the things that we need to do. And, Lord, how to, how to improve the things we're doing. But, Lord, maybe things that we've never even thought of. Lord, give us ideas to reach people. And Lord, I pray for all the churches in, in this whole United States, Lord. This morning, there's, there's millions, literally millions of people that have met this morning. And Lord, we need to realize that you are with us. You are for us. And Lord, you expect us to work in the kingdom. So Lord, help us to know what to do to, to, to improve what we're doing. And, and Lord, to be, able to, just, um, to be able to bring the gospel to people that have never heard it. And Lord, I pray for us this morning as individuals. Every one of us here has has that responsibility of freedom. And I pray that you would give us the knowledge, the understanding of that. Lord, that you would help us to be the leaders in our homes, the moms, the dads, the the grandparents. Lord, help us to raise our kids up. Just like you talked about in your word, and we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Lord, help us to be bold so that we talk about you and talk about your your precepts and your laws, Lord, as we're rising up in the morning, as we're walking along the way, as we're eating our lunches and suppers, and as we're, we're getting ready to go to bed at night, Lord, that we would not be afraid to talk about you. And Lord, we just thank you.